0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories, with your host, Brian Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Young and Innocent from 1937. The studio was Gaumont, British. The release date was November of 1937. <laughs> they actually give an actual date. And then in the United States, it was released in February of 1938. Uh, the running time was 83 minutes and it was in black and white. Leonard Maltin from his classic movie guy gives it 3 out of 4 stars. His synopsis is an Alfred Hitchcock thrower with charm and humor. A young girl helps a runaway man innocently accused on murder to find out the real culprit. Included pleasant echoes of the 39 steps. Originally titled... The Girl Was Young for its US release. Now I originally saw Young and Innocent together with the movie Sabotage during a double feature at the wonderful Stanford Theater in Palo Alto, California. This was when I was in my early 20s. I later purchased a Hitchcock DVD set which include many of his early British films and they were restored after years of inferior public domain versions. All right, let's get into the main cast. You have Nova Pilbeam who plays Erica. Pilbeam began her career on stage and was discovered by Hitchcock for her performance as Peter Pan. Hitchcock put her in the original version of The Man Who Knew Too Much from 1934. She was the kidnapped teenager three years prior to this film. She did not stand the film business long. Her last film came in 1948. Derek DeMarney plays Robert. Now, like Pilbeam, Young and Innocent would be his best-known film. He continued to act in films through the 1950s, and he also produced and directed films. Of course, the director, Alfred Hitchcock. I've already covered Hitchcock's early career in past episodes, so check them out. The 39 Steps, Sabotage, and The Lady Vanishes. Young and Innocent came after Sabotage. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So it's based on the 1936 novel, A Shilling for Candles, which was written by Josephine Tay. The book included a character named Inspector Alan Grant, in which Tay used as a main character for five of her novels, but this character was not included in this film adaptation by Hitchcock. The film was said at the time to be more popular in the U.S. than Hitchcock's previous British films, like The 39 Steps and The Lady Vanishes. The theory being why Young and Innocent did better than those films was that it was a straightforward thriller. There were no political overtones included. Now keep in mind, World War II was just about to begin in the mid-1930s which was the reason for the common espionage plots of his early films. The film had a bit of turmoil as the original small studio that Hitchcock had planned on using was adjusted due to the producer of the film being changed. This actually helped in the long run as the bigger studio stage was used for the excellent cave scene shown later in the film. Okay, let's get into the movie. So it begins with a man and woman arguing. The woman is named Christine, played by Pamela Carme. She's a famous actress. Her ex-husband, George Curzon, doesn't believe the divorce between them is valid.
1: Christine! Don't shout, I tell you! Don't shout! I'll shout if I want to. Who's to prevent me from shouting?
2: Listen to me. Why won't you listen?
1: You're a liar. A liar. You lied when you married me, and you lied to get rid of me. You're a liar and a cheat. That's enough of that. Get out of here. That's a nice thing for a wife to say. I'm nothing of the sort. Oh, yes, you are, and you're not going to get rid of me with your silly Reno divorce. You're my wife. Well, what about it? And I'm not going to have any boys hanging round. What do you mean? Oh, you can't fool me. I've watched him. I've followed him down here. Saw him come in. Don't be a fool. That boy's a... a Liar. Liar. Why won't you listen? Because I'm not an idiot. You quit me eight years ago to go on the screen. I, who worked for you, took you out of the chorus, lifted you out of the gutter. Now you spend your time going around with boys, you. Go on! Say it! Say it!
0: Since some of it is a visual portion of that last clip, when Guy leaves the house to stand on the terrace we notice that he has a significant facial twitch. This is a key plot point, Christine lives on the cliff next to the beach. The next morning a man named Robert thats Derek DeMarne, is walking along the cliff and notices that a body is washed up on the beach. The dead woman is Christine and Robert recognizes her. However, he doesn't call for help, he instead races off trying to find help. However, two women on the beach happen to arrive and notice Christine's body, and then they see Robert running away. Hitchcock does a cool thing in the body discovery scene by having a seagull screech instead of the women screaming who discover the body. Of course, this is a bit of early foreshadowing of the birds, which came out almost 30 years later. The police arrive and determine Christine died from strangulation, not an accidental drowning, as there is a raincoat belt floating next to Christine's body. Because Robert ran off, the police and two women suspect Robert is the likely suspect in her killing, even though he was the first to find the body and was the person who actually brought the police to the scene of the crime. The news of Christine's death makes all of the newspaper headlines, because she was a movie star, along with the fact that a suspect is in custody. We hear Robert being questioned by Scotland Yard detectives.
1: (sighs) Well, it's time we got this thing finished. Now, is this belt yours or isn't it? For the hundredth time, I tell you it isn't. How do you know it isn't? You've already admitted that you've got a raincoat. Don't put down got but had a raincoat. Which you've lost. No, not lost, which I had stolen. Why do you try and twist everything I say? Don't get excited, old man. It's only a formality. You had it stolen. Let it go at that. When was it stolen? Well, I can't remember. You see, I left it in the car and went in to get some cigarettes. When I came back, it was gone. You mean it just went into thin air? what sort of a place was this a common shelter called tom's hat all right we'll let that go now did you know the dead woman well yes fairly well i knew her in america would it be uh, unfair to suggest that you were especially good friends mr kent means her lover we damned unfair then we can put down that you were friends good friends, friends oh put down what you like were you good enough friends to discuss money what's the idea we discussed money three years ago when i sold her a story she paid me in good hard cash I receive money from her on former occasions. Talking of money, would it be accurate to say that you were uh, not well off? It'd be More than accurate. would be perfectly true. Would it? Considering the fact that she's left you twelve hundred pounds in her will? Out or pretended to
2: of course he's passed out i've been told that a my lot. what's that for
1: to put under his head of course that's not
2: good sit him up and hold his head down give me a hand go and get some brandy
1: you seem to be pretty good at this sort of thing
2: yes i learned something by being a go guide did
1: you learn that slapping trick in the guides too
2: no i learned that from riding in cars with detectives
1: Did you do that to detectives' ears as well?
2: No, I got this from a boxers' dressing room. Brings them round like fun.
1: bit painful, isn't
2: it? You don't notice it when you've had the rest of your face bashed in.
1: I say, we weren't as brutal as all that, you know.
2: Give me the brandy. I'll do it. He'll be all right in a minute. What have you been doing to him? Oh, he's
1: all right. Don't waste your sympathy on him, Miss Burgoyne. Is he guilty? No idea yet.
2: Shouldn't think so. He doesn't look like a criminal.
1: Don't let looks influence you, young lady.
2: I don't. Anyway, he's not my type at all.
1: What the devil happened?
2: You passed out.
1: That not be ridiculous. I never passed out. What do you mean?
2: Well, there was something very much like it. Don't worry. You'll be all right. I must go and find Father. He seems to like the brandy. He'll probably go again. Next time throw a bucket of water over him.
1: Who's that? Chief Constable's daughter. She's got a nerve. She certainly has.
0: Erica, played by Nova Pillbeam, as you just heard, is the chief constable's daughter. If you didn't know, a constable is essentially a police officer. Even though Robert didn't have an affair with Christine, the detectives think he's lying. Because why else would a casual friend leave a sizable amount of money to him in her will without him even knowing? Also, the coat belt that strangled Christine was from Robert's coat, though he claims it was stolen. So Robert is about to be arraigned at the courthouse. After a brief meeting with his court-appointed lawyer, Robert believes he's already been found guilty by the police and the public. So he ends up blending into the crowd of spectators around the courtroom. After word spreads that a prisoner has escaped, Robert walks out of the courtroom alone due to all the commotion. In this courtroom scene, outside you will see Hitchcock's cameo as he is a bumbling photographer outside of the courthouse. As you might have guessed from their initial introduction, Erica and Robert do end up meeting again, this time when Erica's old car breaks down on a countryside road, just the same place Robert happens to be after leaving town. Well, if it isn't Florence Nightingale.
2: What are you doing here? You must be mad, don't you remember who I am?
0: Yes, you're only the chief
1: constable's daughter and my ministering angel.
2: I don't see that so very funny. Don't you realize half the countryside is looking for you? So am I, for that
1: matter. Yes, now that you've found me, I insist upon helping you. I'm determined to push this old crock at any rate as far as the petrol station.
2: What do you mean, old crock? Oh, you're crazy. You haven't the hope of escaping. I shall have to tell the police at once.
1: Well, there's one thing you should do. What? Thank me for pushing the car. Thank you. So you should, especially as I'm doing all the work.
0: After getting fuel, Robert tries to convince Erica to help him by driving him out of town.
1: Aha, so I've won you over. You
2: most certainly have not. Oh, yes,
1: I have. You see that it's too risky for me to go to Tom's Hat by daylight, so what do you do? Not a thing. You persuade me to send a deserted mill until dark, and then you return and drive me over to Tom's Hat before close it closes. I feel like Bonnie Prince Charlie. You must be Flora Macdonald.
2: A little while ago, I was Franz Nightingale.
1: That's what I like about you. You're different.
2: How can you joke about this? Don't you know what it means if you're caught?
1: i can make a rough guess, Uh, horribly rough. Well,
2: it isn't funny, is it?
1: No, but I can laugh because I'm innocent. You don't believe that, do you? I wish you did. Well, what are you going to do?
0: Erica leaves Robert at an abandoned old mill, but doesn't inform the police, who happened to just drive by, of Robert's whereabouts. Erica goes back to her home like nothing happened. However, the conversation between her father and her four younger brothers are, of course, about the escaped suspect. After hearing more facts about the case, due to her father being the chief constable, Erica starts to believe that Robert may be innocent after all. She returns to the old mill after dinner to bring him some food and return the money he spent on fuel.
1: You wouldn't trust a wicked murderer like me with a knife, eh?
2: It isn't there at all. I... I just forgot it.
1: hey you are. You see, you don't believe I'm a murderer. Now, where what I? asked. Ah, yes. Christine Clay was strangled with a belt from a raincoat. I knew her and can't produce my raincoat. It was stolen. But I'm going to find it with this belt. You'll see. Then I shall be cleared.
2: Did you...? What
1: were you going to say?
2: Nothing. Well, think it doesn't... Now, matter.
1: go on. What were you going to say?
2: Did you
1: know Christine Clare very well? No. Uh, I met her in Hollywood. She liked the story I wrote her and asked me to do another, that's all. I went to her cottage three or four times, talk things over. Beyond that... See that? What? bit of paper coming out of the old mill. Someone's in there. Oh, perhaps it's... Uh... Yes. Come on. It's true, I did a good term, but I never dreamed she'd go so far as to leave me something in her will. Is that your dog? Yes, why? What's he barking for?
0: He must have been in, I suppose. Grab hold of him. Two officers noticed the wrapping paper from the food Erica brought, because it flew out of the window of the mill. They decided to check out the mill to see if Robert is hiding out there. Robert and Erica escaped due to the bumbling nature of the officers, and the dog escaped as well. Even though Erica believes Robert, she's conflicted, since her father is a high-ranking police officer. Erica agrees to help Robert try to find his lost raincoat, as this would be the key piece of evidence to help clear him for Christine's murder, since the belt that was used to kill Christine wouldn't match the lost coat. Erica stops at a cafe to ask about the raincoat. Since the cafe is frequented by drifters and tramps, they don't take kindly to Erica's questioning. But she does find out that a man named Old Will had a coat on that fit the description of Robert's coat. Robert tries to convince Erica to go back home and let Robert follow the lead himself, but she refuses and continues to drive Robert. But they first stop at her aunt's house, as it's her young cousin's birthday. Now this leads to a great bit of Hitchcock tension, as both Erica and Robert are stuck at the party trying to leave, and her aunt seems to think something strange is going on, and she's very suspicious of Robert. Erica and Robert finally leave the party, much to the dismay of the aunt who calls Erica's father. King oh why hello margaret what would
1: well, she never get away
2: didn't you think she seemed a bit suspicious
1: i don't think so just naturally inquisitive she seemed satisfied with the answers i gave
2: i nearly died when you produced that china dwarf
1: I oh, wonder if she'll ever miss it from the garden hmm? we mustn't laugh why not it was very funny when she asked my name i was scared stiff the look on your face
2: <laughs> no we mustn't laugh it's very serious
1: all the same you look much better when you're laughing
2: do i of course, I don't want to make trouble. I feel it's my duty to tell you. I mean, Erica's so young, she's at an awkward
1: age. Oh, but I I can't understand it. Erica always tells me if she's going a long way, and certainly who she's going with. Gordon Blame is the only man I don't like to see her with. Well, then
2: it was him. I'm sure of it. He gave a false name.
1: Yes, but he's in India. Oh, then it wasn't him. Which way did you see the car went? Ed? All right, I'll I'll phone you later. He never even thanked
0: me. As Erica and Robert attempt to find Old Will, Erica's father has an APB out to try to find his daughter and this mysterious man. An officer does spot the duo, and Erica and Robert do escape. Erica's father can't understand why she would help a murder suspect. All right, there's about 30 minutes left, and it's filled with terrific tension and the patented Hitchcock suspense. So do Erica and Robert find the homeless man with Robert's raincoat, Or is that simply a MacGuffin, which is often used by Hitchcock as a plot diversion? And will they find the real killer? I'll tell you that the ending is fabulous, and this may be one of those early Hitchcock films you may not have seen, so I think you should check it out. Part of the reason behind the lack of viewing of this film might be due to the poor prints found in the United States, mostly due to the film being in public domain. Now, when I bought an early Hitchcock set, it included a restored version of this film that just looks terrific. And that version may be available streaming now. You can also find it free on YouTube. but It's probably the public domain version. All right, a fun fact. Nova Pilbeam was only 17 when she made this movie, while Derek DeMarnay, who played Robert, and he falls in love with Erica... Yeah, well, he was 31. (laughs) All right, I have a special guest, and that's Samantha, who had never seen this particular film before, but she loves early Hitchcock films, and she loves Hitchcock in general. So this works out perfectly. We get her fresh take on this film. And then, of course, I will be back next week with yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, we are back with Samantha. Welcome back. Hello. Okay, so again, I'm going to have you do uh, another early British Uh, Hitchcock film, which I don't believe you had seen prior.
3: No, I'd never seen this one. New, new discovery.
0: Good, good. And so it is free on YouTube, which I believe is where you saw it, right? Yeah. Okay. So you know it's kind of unfair to compare these early films to his later known films, but from what you remember watching his other early British films, how did Young and Innocent hold up compared to, say, like the Thirty-Nine Steps, or Lady Vanishes, or even Sabotage?
3: So it's interesting because. I think he has such a a distinct style and Mm -hmm. distinct themes that I find that they run through all the movies, even though they're kind of implemented differently. So yeah, these older ones, the ones based in England, they're definitely more, I guess, quaint. (laughs) Right. They're not at that scale that developed over time, but I feel like the the story at the core with like the suspense built in it's still a great story Mm -hmm. so yeah i think the 39 steps is one of his more well-known early films and great on its own but yeah i think young and innocent or i think it had another name too um Mm -hmm. it was a good a good little movie
0: the uh, US version was called The Girl Was Young, which I think oh. I like yeah, I think I like young and is it better. I don't know. Yeah. Not, I don't think either one is that great. No,
3: they're not you. at all.
0: Yeah.
3: Like, <laughs> I keep go I was like, why was it named this? Maybe because of the the young lady who gets involved, but
0: actually they should have kept so it's based on a, a novel that came out that's, a year prior. Okay. And that's called A Shilling for Candles. And that might have been a better title. Huh. Though yeah. that's kind of And I don't even know what that means. (laughs) uh, What would you actually, I'll put you on the spot. What would you have called it?
3: Oh no, that's hard. (laughs) Well,
0: man on the run. I don't
3: know. Because the premise is that a guy is, he escapes from this fate that is given to him. So yeah, innocence is a big part of it. And he's kind of, he needs to get out of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Well, something having to do with innocence. Running away. Uh, there was that cute dog and the in yeah. Blue, so,
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say the wrong man, but there was a, a Hitchcock film called The Wrong Man later yeah. with Henry Fonda, so they kind of yeah, that. yeah. So you did? Did you like the plot?
3: I did. Um, I thought it was a little kind of not sloppy at times, but I wasn't quite sure the direction it was going to take. Mm-hmm if it was going to get, like, much darker than it ended up going. But, yeah, I I liked the story. I really liked how it started. Mm -hmm. Um, We got the kind of sneak peek at the woman who is going to get killed. And then we see her washed up on the beach. I thought that was a really great intro. And then the people who get involved really quickly and kind of mess everything up from the beginning right um so yeah i really like the intro um kind of the middle i think where it got sloppy was it was more kind of like action based so the guy um the man who ended up getting accused mm-hmm. how he kind of escaped and got involved with that woman it was a little it was a little maybe conf- not confusing but it could have been maybe slicker, like how it it was developed, but instead of
0: just like meeting on the road type of deal.
3: Yeah, or he was like hiding in her car. Right. And they had previously met because he she like helped him because he like passed out or something. So it was there was kind of a lot of little bits happening to kind of develop that like escape plot.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um. But yeah, once they were on the run, I thought that was really great, and then. I thought the ending was awesome too. So oh, that,
0: that's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> uh, But w- actually we'll, we'll get there. It was funny about the beaches. It It kind of, um, it was almost like an ominous feel like it was going to be the birds, you know?
3: Yes. I got that feeling as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, was there anything you didn't like about the plot? I mean, you kind of alluded to it a little bit in the middle, but was there any other significant things that that could have made this better?
3: Yeah, like I said, I think the setup was a little, like, clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, well, this is just a common thing in these older movies, but the, like, sudden romance. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, of course. Where it's
3: like they just met, and there's really not much character development on that side. Not at all. But, oh, they just, you know, fall in love, essentially. <laughs> so I thought, there's a, you don't know, yeah. I think it's cute to have that kind of romantic tension and the girl helps him, da 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 da, da But yeah, dude doesn't need to be there every time. <laughs> I, I don't think it's necessary.
0: Well, that's the thing about older films. I don't think... Any, nobody could have predicted one that was going to be home movies, television, things like that. So a lot of these films, it was probably like one and done. So they had to keep certain tropes in, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
3: And it's like if the if this man and woman end up alone, like that's the only thing that's going to
0: happen. Exactly. Exactly. So again, you brought up the ending um, and you loved it. Did you actually see it coming?
3: Not how it was developed. Okay. So I had a feeling that they needed to, right. They needed to solve the mystery in order to um, prove his innocence. So, and I had a feeling like who it was, right? Because they kind of set that up from the beginning scene, so you sure. kind of knew who the killer was. But yeah, I didn't anticipate how they would find him out. Um, right. right. Spoiler alert: through his eye yep. thing, yep. which is a super specific little trait. So I liked that detail, and I thought that was very like Hitchcock. Because that was something that was kind of introduced at the beginning, and you would have had to pay attention to notice.
0: Well, that's the thing about Hitchcock. Some, sometimes he does the MacGuffins, where he, he drops some things, and you think it might play into and it never does. Yeah, but, but exactly. This one did. This one did.
3: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, it's also interesting that, and again, we, I don't want to give it away, but I think the, the circumstances in which things play out in the final scenes... Definitely would not fly today, but um,
3: oh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But even in you know, even if it was done as a film piece, but it, you know, it actually was. It worked because of what what was going on with the ending.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Like yeah. Nowadays, we could not have that type of entertainment. No, exactly. I think if this movie was remade, they would have to come up with another way to offer some sort of like disguise or like way for people to kind of blend in. So
0: like he would have been in the circus or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wearing like
3: a mask or a costume or something.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, how did you, um? how did you feel about the main characters of Erica and Robert? And do you, act, do you feel they had good chemistry? I know you mentioned that they kind of fell too quickly, but that's more of a uh, early film uh, yeah. problem. Yeah.
3: Well, in terms of, did I like them as characters? I did. Yeah. I thought she was a great actress. Mm -hmm. in this role um uh, quite you know entertaining and then i think he did a good job as the just you know average guy thrown into this scenario um Uh yeah i think they were they did work as a couple um it was cute and entertaining and they had some good little moments together and it got really dramatic at a few points (laughs) they you know went into that mine and there were some really great. Uh, special effects
0: <laughs> <laughs> well it was 1937
3: so yeah so yeah there was some good dramatic moments with them together and yeah it worked but yeah a little cheesy
0: so yeah. i i think the best comparison for this one um just to see which one you like better would probably be the lady vanishes just because of the the male female uh part mm. actually was, was, the, was there another one that was kind of similar maybe the 39 steps but you would like the 39 steps better than this one
3: i think i've seen that one I don't know. They all start to blend together. They do. They do. <laughs> Especially the older ones.
0: Yeah. With
3: the, the black Steps, and white that aren't I as mean, distinct.
0: If I remember correctly, yeah. the 39 Steps was the one where they're staying in the hotel together, I believe. At one okay. Point. And then the Lady vanishes all in the train.
3: Yes. Yeah. I so, love that one. I yeah.
0: That. So was there anything else from your watching? Was this something you'd recommend? Or was it like, it was fun to watch, but you'll probably not revisit it.
3: It was, I think if you're a, yeah, a Hitchcock, a, a kind of a, yeah, thriller fan. It's a good early example of kind of how the genre developed. I think just yeah. because it definitely on the older side, but it has kind of all those key moments. And I think it is one that I would I would rewatch to kind of see if I could catch some bits and how they tied together. Because um, yeah, the plot did get a little complicated at times with you know people coming in and discoveries and such so Mm -hmm. yeah I would watch it again and I would recommend it especially for Hitchcock people
0: yeah I think most people go in watching the the classics the hits the birds psycho Mm -hmm. things like that north by northwest but then I I think if you really like those you should check out the early ones because they are entertaining and uh and you can kind of see the evolution of Hitchcock
3: yeah and there's something kind of nice about just having the Simpler story that doesn't have as much of like the thematic and kind of visual um kind of the extravagance of his older movies. Mm-hmm. I think we can sometimes like with Vertigo, you can get really caught up in the it's very cinematic. Totally. Um, yeah. But yeah, the older ones are go- great. Just great little like movies that you're watching for the story and but you do get hints of that cinematic those cinematic touches that come later like especially with the the final scene in this movie there's a really long shot i think they must have done it on like a crane yeah something i was reading online um it's just a long continuous shot to kind of frame the guilty man the the twitch Mm -hmm. which is
0: it is that that's actually one of the best parts of the movie
3: yeah. So it really builds up to that. And I think it's really worth watching for that point. Great ending.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people probably have a problem with the early films because most of the early films don't have stars, at least not stars that Yeah, have been. that's true. Yeah, because at least you know in the later films, you have Cary Grant, you have James yeah. Stewart and, and and people like that. So um, but yeah, I still think they're they're absolutely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Samantha, for doing this. And I know you're going to be on again real soon. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video in San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for 2 dollars a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the B. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.